this. If we were gonna if we were gonna get up in the morning and subject ourselves to the work, we wanted the outcome to be so much more than just what the work was. Mm-hmm. We wanted to go through the motions and challenge ourselves so that each and every time we completed something, we could stand back and go, damn, that was worth it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just about taking people's money telling them that we could do something. It was so much more than that. Hi guys, welcome to Digging Into the Details with Brad and Taylor. A limited podcast series all about our experience in the wedding industry. Yeah. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. So before we kick off our official first episode topic, basically why we decided to start the podcast was to give kind of a behind the scenes look at our business, peel back the curtain a little bit and give a glimpse at us as people beyond just being a vendor in the wedding and events industry. We're also a couple um, which we're I think, married. yeah, we're married. Anyways, yes. Continue. So we're also a couple, which I think gives us an, a unique perspective of operating a business together as a husband and wife team. Um, and I just really wanted to have this doc, this journey documented somewhere. So it's kind of an opportunity to take this time and really reflect on everything that we've accomplished so far. This will be five years in business this month. So yeah, yeah, just kind of be able to. Again, share our experience. A lot has happened in five years, even though it may not seem like a long time to some people. But I like that this is long form, too, because I think it's an easier way to have candid conversations Mm -hmm. with a little bit of context rather than a 15 second reel that you see on Instagram about somebody's business journey or, you know, that's just a, a snippet. So I think this gives us the opportunity. I enjoy long form content. I mean... You know, Brad and I both listen to podcasts, and so I just, again, think it's a a good opportunity for us to share our story in a more thorough way. Definitely. Well said. So So we'll dive into our first topic, right? Okay. So our first topic is basically our business journey. So we just wanted to catch you guys up to speed. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be cool for people who know us, people who have been on this journey with us Mm -hmm. throughout the entirety of uh the business yeah it'll be great for people who have just found out about us maybe 10 years from now when uh who knows what we'll be doing but hey you yeah. know what it'll be up there our uh our journey will be somewhere not just in our heads right. and not just in Instagram and I feel posts. like people have heard snippets of different you know aspects of our story or journey or we've shared you know things here and there but we haven't done like a full full kind of recap yeah, I think uh, where's a good place to start? So in 2017, Taylor and I had gotten married, mm-hmm. and uh, I was kind of looking for something to do for a career. I was just coming off of many years traveling in my past career, and Taylor and I both were looking for a way, I think, to keep me home, right? Um, so we had just gotten married. We were, I think, rifling through... A lot of our wedding items, right? Yeah. And uh, we were both going back and forth like, what do we do with this stuff? 
Well, I will preface this by saying Brad's always had a very entrepreneurial spirit. So I think it's always been in the cards for you to want to do your own thing, own your own business. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be honest, especially when you start a business, it's not you're most likely not making any money. So it was more about, I think, following Brad's passions and then really looking to, you know, pay the bills. But um, but I think we also wanted to do something that maybe him and I could enjoy together. And I didn't think you necessarily had a strong feeling of specifically what I wanted specifically to do. what you wanted to do, but you kind of just wanted to do your own thing, have that flexibility. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks for filling in the blank. Anyways, how we started in the industry was we opened a retail store called Borrowed from a Bride. The idea came about when... I think we had a bunch of stuff. We had just mm-hmm. gotten married. We really didn't know what to do with it. And I think we just, one, one when night. When we say stuff, we mean like wedding decor. So like I had bought table numbers off of Etsy or miscellaneous signs and things. We, we knew with a business, we wanted to solve a problem naturally. Right. And I think the problem that we were trying to solve was what do you do with your wedding decor after you get married? Mm-hmm. What's an easy way to offload it? Maybe recoup a little bit of money that you spent and then... Yep. Also, you know, maybe not throw it in the trash. So, um, yeah, we had opened a retail store and it was a pre-loved wedding decor store called Borrowed from a Bride where you could come in, sell us your pre-loved decor. Or if you were a new bride or groom, come in and buy some lightly used wedding decor at a Mm -hmm. heavily discounted price. But anyways, I think six months down the road of of owning the retail store, we kind of hit a fork in the road Mm -hmm. and... We had to figure out how we needed to or how we wanted to pivot our business. And if you know us and you know our current business that is Details Duo, you know that we're heavily involved in custom fabrication. We had briefly started to, I will say one big challenge with Borrowed From a Bride was people would come in and and we were a brand new business too, so I'll be honest, traffic was a little bit light to begin with, but... We expected it, you know, we're new, so, and not a lot of people know about us yet, so, but when people would come in, there would be a little bit of missed opportunity sometimes where people may love the product, like, let's say, table numbers, for instance, but they would see a set on the shelf, and maybe it's 1 through 12, and they're like, oh, gosh, I love this, you know, gold table number set, but I have 15 tables, so do you guys have any more, or what, you know, and we're like, ah, no, it's just, you know, our our inventory is our inventory. Basically, it's whatever the the last person came and sold to us. That's what we have. So um, there was a little bit of challenges there because then we wouldn't make a sale from that because obviously we couldn't meet their needs based on their particular wedding. And that's kind of, I think, when we learned that <laughs> um, despite it being a good idea, weddings are so, so custom too. So down to guest count, table numbers, you know, how many of an item people need, all sorts of things. So like Brad said, we were kind of at a crossroads between either we can start making some of the stuff so we could make somebody a custom table number set who had the 15 tables, maybe in a similar style as what they're seeing on the shelf. Um, And sometimes, honestly, they were okay with even paying a little bit more for it to be, you know, they didn't necessarily, I mean, sure, saving money is always great, but if it doesn't meet their needs and it's not solving the problem, you know? So, um, or we would have to basically get a a much larger space, like a (laughs) goodwill sized store that we could house, you know, thousands of, um, 
thousands of items where people had a lot more to choose from. So maybe things would fit their needs a bit better. We're also six months in, so we're still really trying to figure out this business thing. Mm -hmm. I definitely think that Taylor and I are, you know, serial entrepreneurs. We, we know we have always wanted to own businesses. We, we, our minds run crazy with ideas and we want to plug those holes of, you know, how do we solve these problems? Mm-hmm. But we were six months down the road and we were very much, even if our idea was working, which mm-hmm. it wasn't. Um, but even if it was, you know, I think we have to give ourselves credit. We were still very new. Yeah. And I think we, um, you know, we were trying to pay the bills and yeah. we were trying to figure out, Hey, you know, because also going into it, I mean, we instantly had overhead, you know, I think we were very, a lot of people, I think, who start start out, you know, with a small business, they do it out of their homes and, you know, but for this specific scenario, I mean, we went into it saying, hey, we want to open up a, a retail resale store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we instantly had overhead and, yeah, like Brad said, we instantly had bills. So we had to figure out a yeah. way to, From the jump, to our, pay those. <laughs> our, rent, our rent was almost $3,000 a month at our store. Yeah. So, and we did have a little bit of savings, but I mean, you got to think like, yeah, $3,000 and that only gets you <laughs> 30 that, days, essentially. Yeah. It's a lot of money. That gets you the, the doors open, the yeah. lights on, yeah. the air conditioning running, and the rest is up to you. Right, exactly. So, you know, six months down the road, we were just trying to figure it out and Taylor and I knew we, we couldn't we couldn't uh, keep beating the dead horse. We had to figure out something. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, during that time is really when we introduced some of our custom aspects to what has become details duo we also started to dabble in the rentals i think taylor and i had a great idea really taylor more so than me but taylor had the idea of these neon signs that we kind of saw maybe in the popular markets maybe la new york these neon signs in Mm -hmm. weddings were becoming popular and you got to remember this is this is five years ago, guys. So Yeah, this was um, 2018. And so adding the neon signs definitely, I think, helped put us on the map. And mm-hmm. it kind of gave us a different exposure to um, the industry and being able to create other relationships and getting out there. And we can dive more into that. I think we want to do maybe like a yearly recap and we'll kind of walk through our business from year to year um, and share some specifics. But we had, yeah, we had two um, two sayings that we were renting for two hundred and fifty dollars each. Is, this is interesting too. I'm just going to drop this in, maybe for a lot of wedding vendors out there who are maybe struggling with some things. But when we had launched our neon signs, we obviously were struggling with uh, revenue for the month. So purchasing new decor wasn't exactly great for the bank account. It was a huge risk, but I think what we did, I think, so we spent almost about $1,000 on these neon signs, which take that for what you want, whether you think it's a lot or not. But back in the day, that was a lot for us to spend on these things that we really didn't know, you know, we're going to do anything for us. Mm-hmm. However, we said, you know what, let's do this. Let's, let's create these neon signs, but then let's run a promo. And the promo, if we can sell 10 of these promos, the promo itself will pay for our initial investment. So what we did was we actually reduced the neon sign rental by 50%. Remember at the time we were renting them for $250. Mm-hmm. We dropped it down to 125 
That included delivery, installation, and pickup of the rented neon sign. And 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 it paid for itself, right? I think we got to 10. Yeah. And which was amazing. We sure did. We sure did. <laughs> and but, I was stoked. <laughs> and Taylor was stoked and her idea worked. But it's wild to think that, and I think I want to preface this really for the vendors in mind, but it's just wild to think that back in the day we were driving, you know, some upwards of a hundred miles one way to drop off a neon sign and install it for 125 bucks. So and going back at the end of that and, and going back. So, so it's basically two trips both mm-hmm. ways <laughs> as a vendor. You're so, driving there, driving home after you're done setting up and then driving back to come yeah. strike at the end of the so night. So maybe that's and relatable. Back home. Maybe so, that's relatable for a lot of you, whether you're in rentals or, or not. Yeah. I think you can find something that you've done that you're like, man, I didn't make any money or, <laughs> you know, but at the time for us, we were excited. We were stoked. And more importantly, like Taylor said, it got us out to venues that we mm-hmm. had never been to. It made relationships very easy for us. For sure. And uh, and it was a nice way to honestly, I mean, get our name out there, but also have that content because mm-hmm. now we were actually able to um, showcase the product at weddings. So, I mean, people are so visual that they need to see a neon sign behind a sweetheart table and fall in love with it and say, oh, okay, I, you know, I get it. I want that at, at my wedding too. So. Right. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. It's just really cool to reminisce about these things and think back and. Yeah. And go, wow, why did we do that? <laughs> We've come so far. <laughs> um, so we added the neon signs. And then one other thing that we did during that time was research our product that we were getting in at the store, the pre-love product. And a lot of it was laser cut goods. Mm-hmm. And I think what I mean by that is specifically wood or acrylic materials that were cut with a laser cutting machine into table numbers, signs, whatever that may be. And we we looked at that, we looked at the data and we thought, wow, okay. I mean, people are buying X. Mm-hmm. How do we make X? Right? So we researched how do we make these laser cut items because they're obviously popular because we're buying a ton of them. Right. So in with the addition of the neon signs, we also were trying to figure out, hey, how do we either add more inventory at a lower cost Mm -hmm. or how do we service people more by creating items for them when they come into our store and they weren't finding exactly what they wanted on the shelf. So we researched laser cutters. They were expensive. Very expensive. Very expensive. More expensive than two neon signs. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> bigger th- commitment for sure. <laughs> and they also they also came with their own host of issues. You needed space. You needed industrial space mm-hmm. first and foremost. Not the type of space that we were currently renting. We were in a very nice building, um, more of a office building type, not a, you know, commercial industrial zoned unit where you could be burning through materials mm-hmm. and using woodworking tools. And, uh, and yeah, they're, they're just very expensive and a learning curve too. I had no idea how to use a laser cutter. Yes. Taylor, did you? No. No. So I don't know how it happened, but <laughs> upon researching laser cutters, I found out that the Arizona Science Center had laser cutters, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
and that they would for 50 bucks a month let you use their laser cutters and i'm talking like these machines were like thirty thousand dollars at the time and that boggled my mind because i thought there's no way for 50 bucks these people are just going to go in and let me use their lasers right so how it worked is you had to go in and you know you had to do like an introductory class you had to pay for that after you got trained on the lasers you could you know book yourself some time Mm -hmm. and use the lasers and it was great and that's how we got introduced to the world of laser cutters on the cheap pretty soon after we realized okay this would work we had learned how to operate a laser we had learned where we could get access to a laser and we soon opened it up to our our clients our customers when they would come in Mm -hmm. to hey if you don't like anything on the shelf we can make you could make you something. <laughs> we could make you something. <laughs> you know, and that was very, for for Taylor and I, it was like, I mean, it was really do or die because, you know, we had rent to pay for. We, I mean, that was, we really, we just had bills to pay for. Now, we're not even talking about me making any money, mm-hmm. bringing money into the, right. to, to our to our household. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I just remember days people were coming in and they'd be looking at like T-shirts on the rack. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, how could I sell them something on the laser? Right. Because right. there's way more profitability in. For sure. In that. And we started off small. So yeah. like if you know where we're at in business now, we're doing huge. I mean, this past December, I think we did like a over 100 something feet of backdrops for a convention. But. When we first started, it first started out. First we were, stage, yeah. First stage, but when we first started out, I mean, we were making things that w- would like fit on, you know, a tabletop or mm-hmm. um, hang on the back of your chair that said "bride and groom." Right. Right. So we were just trying to get by. We were trying to sell things that you know we could make a decent amount of money on that were also easy because I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would bring some wood to the Arizona Science Center and have to figure out how to cut someone's last name that they had already paid me money for. <laughs> So it was uh, it was a trying time for sure, yeah. but it was great because we had found a way to make revenue outside of our store, and it was really the first time. I think Taylor and I looked at each other and we go, "Okay, I think we really got something here," because people are coming in, and we're not only selling to them, but we are finally solving their issue. Mm-hmm. And whether that wasn't what we exactly set out to do with the store, right. it's where we found ourselves at that point. Yeah. And it started to work. And so we started off by making all the small stuff, all the table numbers, guest boards, guest favors. I was going to our store um, while we were open. And then after we closed the store, either before we opened or after we closed the store, I would go to the Arizona Science Center to process the orders. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly how long we did that for. But there came a point in time where we could no longer use the Arizona Science Center to produce the orders. Well, keep in mind, too, this was a little bit like we were flying under the radar with it because they don't, I mean, they're expecting that most people that are coming to the Science Center and using their machines are like hobbyists. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they're doing like they're making a gift for somebody and it's kind of like a one-off thing. Mother's Day is coming up and I'd love to engrave my mom a cutting board. Exactly. Can I use your laser? Not can I run my full-blown business using your machines. So I think, well, and if if you think, I mean, do you think people would be interested in this? We can dive into it. Yeah, I think why not? The Arizona Science Center had two lasers, and the way that it worked is you would have to book time on the calendar. Mm -hmm. So you would pull up a Google Doc, Google Calendar, and you would see, okay, uh, 2 to 4 p.m. 
is available on the blue laser, the blue laser or red laser. So you would book the blue laser. You'd go there. You'd have two hours to cut your stuff. You could, you were limited to two hours per day. And we had gotten so busy that not only was I there almost every day trying to, I mean, really scrounge up every ounce of the two hours, Mm -hmm. but I had soon very quickly realized that, okay, there's specific times in the day that both lasers are open, right? I'm literally running out of time at the end of my two hours and I still have more stuff to cut. And I got smart. I figured, okay, if I go at the times where it's slower, both lasers will be open. Maybe if I buy these people at the Arizona Science Center a coffee, they'll let me use the other laser, right? So, I mean, getting good with the people, and even though it was against the rules, you know, maybe they let me do it. And so, fortunately, (laughs) they did. And pretty soon, I was there every day, not only running one laser, but I was running both lasers at the Science Center Mm -hmm. for two hours at a time, and... Not only not only were we there every day, but we were running both lasers, which we weren't technically allowed to do, which on top of that, we also found out that we weren't technically allowed to be running a business out of there, which yes. m- I may or may not have read the fine print on that. <laughs> That'll go without me saying. <laughs> However, we again, guys, reached another fork in the road of our business of... I remember the general manager of the Arizona Science Center coming to me one day saying, hey, Brad, are you running a business out of here? And I said, yeah. And they said, yeah, I'm sorry. We've got to revoke your membership. That's not allowed. Mm -hmm. Also, it's come to our attention that you're using both lasers. You're You're only allowed to use one laser. Yeah, that's also not allowed. That's also not allowed. So, you know, like at... You know, at this pivotal time in our business where we had just found some success, we then were, I I mean, I really feel like we were just at that point pushed down the mountain again after we had climbed, you know, so far. And on top of that, we had orders, guys. Like, we had taken people's money and we had promised them these items, custom items, for their wedding. And so at that point... Not only was it a shock that our membership there on a science center had just been revoked, but it was like, crap, what are we going to do? We don't own a laser. Mm-hmm. We have taken this money in for these people. We've given them our word that we're going to make this stuff for them. And uh, so that was an, yet another fork in the road of, okay, what are we going to do? Let's figure out how to buy a laser. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when... We, at the same time, had to figure out, how do we have enough money to buy a laser? And when we buy this laser, where is the laser going to go? Because, again, we can't put a laser where our store is. It's just not physically possible, right? Right. Do you remember what we did? Um, we lowered our overhead by moving from... We were in a place called Pallet Collective. Yeah, Pallet It's still Collective. in business. They've got multiple locations around the valley. So some of you listening might know of them, some of you not. But we were in a place, it was a collective shared kind of co-working space. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was more tailored towards 
the beauty industry. The beauty industry. So I'd say that the retail store was the wedding <laughs> retail store was a little bit of a <laughs> it was a stretch unconventional. For, yeah. But I mean, we didn't know. Also, I mean, when we when we moved into Palette Collective Scottsdale, it was a brand new build too. So to be honest, we had no idea what um, other types of businesses were going in there. No idea. It was just we liked the well, we liked the, the vibe of the aspect. place. Yeah, we liked the community aspect. We we. To be honest, we thought it would help with the traffic flow because it wasn't just this brand new store that was in a strip mall on the side of the street that it, nobody would know it about. It was almost like you were you were able to be in a mall with the foot traffic yeah. without paying, well, what I had thought would be, <laughs> you know, mall rent. Yeah. But I think And there was going to be a coffee shop in the in each of them and so that was kind of another nice like community aspect people might come there and grab a coffee and work and maybe they might stop by your store, whatever, you know. So um, we moved from Palette Collective Scottsdale to their Chandler location. Because we had to lower our rent in an attempt to also find another space to rent that was an industrial zoned mm-hmm. unit. For the laser. For the laser. So we cut down the size of our store, which, I mean, I'll be honest, it wasn't very large to begin with. It but was 400 square feet. Yeah. So what, what was Palette Collective Chandler? It was... I think it was 275 square feet. Okay. So, yeah. So we trimmed down on our space a little bit. Yep. Um, we moved. Fortunately, they were able to negotiate a little bit little bit with us because we weren't necessarily leaving as a tenant. We were just wanting to move to a different spot. Mm-hmm. Um, we also changed to appointment only. Yes. So at that time, too, we... Again, I think saw more value in our time being utilized elsewhere. So, you know, Brad wasn't working the store essentially during these open retail hours. And I mean, there wasn't always a guarantee that somebody would come in. So sometimes you would just be working the store and not see a single mm-hmm. a single soul. And I think, you know, that can get a little draining time after time. But also you're just thinking, gosh, I could be spending my time, you know, in a way more productive way doing other things especially when we did have orders on the books and he's thinking well gosh now i'm gonna leave here when the store closes and i'm gonna have to go work on orders or whatever so yeah yeah so we went to buy appointment only so that i could there was just more flexibility that's my schedule better yeah yeah so we solved an issue by not only taking a look at our our overhead figuring out how to negotiate that down um use the savings from the overhead to then pour into um, one, a purchase of our first laser, mm-hmm. which we bought outright, and two, trying to figure out, you know, space, right? Right. Um, we found an, a shared space at a wood shop to put the laser that was not close to uh, our storefront. Correct. Our storefront was in Chandler, and our laser was in downtown Phoenix. So that that was a small issue. However, we overcame that. We just had to batch our time and mm-hmm. figure out when the being at the store was a priority for clients and then when being at the woodshop was a priority to make the orders. Um, so there was a lot of things going on. Yeah. But we were learning. We uh, put our boots on in the morning and <laughs> marched forward, even though we really didn't know what it was going to look like. But we kept on going, right? Mm-hmm. We did that for how long? Well, until we, when we moved, when we moved to where we're at now. Right. In Tempe. In Tempe. And we had a designated, you know, unit that basically. Served both things. Served both things. It had a front area that was kind of more of an office space. 
um, and a warehouse for what you could turn into a wood shop. Yeah, but yeah. I think we had a little bit of time there in between uh, relocating to Chandler, buying a laser, and then moving into Tempe. I think it was about a year of, of kind of going back and forth, right? Yeah. And in that year, I think we saw the most growth that we had ever seen up until that point. Like yeah. that oh, year yeah, defined up until that point. That yeah. year really defined what we were going to become as the details duo. Mm-hmm. I feel like even in that year, we had contemplated a name change because we were still operating as borrowed from a yes. bride. Yes, and because we got more down the custom items path, I think people were a bit confused. Like absolutely, again with the name having borrowed in it, they're like, "Well, I remember you guys a, make these things." Yeah, but... a client was coming in and. I mean, it was so confusing for them because they were like, so I can rent this neon sign? Yes. So I can buy these table numbers that are used? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you'll make me a hoopah? Right. A, a, sure. Yes. A eight foot by eight foot by eight foot hoopah? And you'll... That's fully custom? That's fully custom and you'll deliver it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So it was very confusing for people. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we learned a ton in that year and i also feel like one thing to point out was once the word got out that a company was here in phoenix that you could go to and request anything to be made Mm -hmm. i mean that spread like a wildfire for sure that in and of itself i feel like was a game changer for the industry here yeah because until then i think there were companies that could make things but there wasn't somebody that you could access as easily as they could with us by making an appointment, coming into a, a retail setting, telling us exactly what they wanted, and then us going to make it, right? Right. So, and if you've followed our journey for the last five years, I think that you definitely know now that there are, you know, some great companies out there that have kind of followed in our footsteps here that are creating things for people that are custom, that are amazing, but... I mean, you look back 2018, 2019 into 2020, and I mean, you could ask, you know, any given wedding planner, and they would say, you guys are probably the only people that are doing this. Yeah, I feel like we were definitely one of the first on the map. Yeah, which is cool. But it's also very challenging because you're, you are, you're cutting your own way. Right. There's, there's, there's nothing, there's no roadmap. There's nothing to follow. And you're making a lot of bad choices you're making a lot of decisions based on what other people are are telling you to do Mm -hmm. and you're just trying to survive right and uh it's super scary and you're trying to maintain these relationships so you want to give people good customer service um so when they come with to you with these requests you know you want to do everything in your power to meet them you want to continue these relationships with these wedding planners that are now feeding you business so for sure if they're coming in and saying, hey, can you build me something like my, you know, my client really wants this, but they can't find it anywhere. Like it was a yes for us. No brainer. Yeah. So this was I even think, if we didn't know how to make it, it was just like, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I think some of you maybe can relate to that, right? Like somebody comes to you in your business and you need money and you need to figure out how to pay the bills. And you have some you have a paying client that's requesting something from you and they have trust in you that you can do it but you have no idea how to do it. That was kind of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a lot of ways, we had this persona of 
hey, we have a laser, we can make anything. But that didn't necessarily mean that we knew how to make anything. Right. So Because the possibilities are endless. Right. <laughs> it soon shifted from the small items, I right. feel like, very quickly to the large items. Because that's the that's the hole that I feel like we really were Filled able to in fill. The market. Yeah. Yeah. There were still a lot of great people out there, even on Etsy, that you could buy the small things from. Mm-hmm. You could buy a guest board on Etsy. You could buy favors on Etsy, even personalized. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once you start getting to the big stuff, that was more challenging for people. So this is still 2019. We're still operating out of our small shared shop in downtown Phoenix. And I feel like that's really when we started doing the big builds. Shout out Alex for <laughs> giving us a shot at our, really, I feel like our first wall build, right? Mm-hmm. Which was the White Claw wall. Yeah. Well, that and Sandra with the hoopah. And Sandra. For thanks, Shana's Sandra, wedding. For, for, for trusting us to build the hoopah. Mm-hmm. And you know what's crazy, guys, is neither of those things I had built before. Yeah. And uh, both of those items, I feel like, if you even ask the customer, I think were fantastic. Mm-hmm. So it just goes to show you that I mean, even though you don't know how to do something, you can persevere and figure it out if you have to. Yeah. And my feet were held to the fire because we had taken people's money. And we And we wanted them. to do a good job. And we wanted to do a good job. And, and, you know, I look back at those builds and I don't think there was anything wrong with them. I don't think that there is anything that I would go back and, and change. Do differently? Yeah. So. That's awesome. That's cool. I mean, that's 2019. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. And we've still got <laughs> lots to cover. Lots to cover. <laughs> also in 2019, we bought our first vehicle for the business, right? We did. We wanted to be legit. We, Taylor and I have <laughs> always wanted to be legit in business. I think that's why we started out with a retail store. 100%. We did not want to do this out of our house. No. We also, from the jump, tried to create separation from the business and, and the personal like life. Yeah. Even though it, it doesn't always work. No. And we're married in business. So, right. you know, that's challenging yeah. in and of itself. But yeah, I think, you know, kind of to summarize 2019, we also bought our first vehicle. It was a 2013 Ford Transit van from Rocky, oh, the van salesman. <laughs> and he had the thickest mustache and he looked like awesome. he should be in... Uh, I don't know, 1883 or something. What's that show? Yellowstone, but, yeah. you know, not Yellowstone because he's more what, 1823? legit. 1923? 1923, I don't know, maybe. one of those. Like Rocky was so legit cowboy that he probably could go to Taylor Sheridan right now and get his own show. <laughs> but Rocky was a was a used commercial truck and auto salesman. And uh, he had our first van and it was priced mm-hmm. right. And it was an old Budweiser delivery van awesome and guys it was just what we needed i mean yeah it was perfect it was perfect it was great and we slapped some borrowed from a bride stickers on it and man we thought we were the some nice decals can we cuss on here yeah. or no we'll keep it whatever. PG 13 whatever you want but it's we our thought, podcast we thought we were the shit man <laughs> we thought we were the absolute shit and we were so proud of that man mm-hmm well, you got to think too. I think when you're creating your name for yourself in the industry, I think it meant a lot to us 
that when we pulled up on the wedding day that people saw the yeah. vendor vehicle. Anyways, guys, we were busy. <laughs> I mean, we needed two vans, but we made it work. We made it work. Yeah. We were just happy to have the one. We had people's... But I think we realized that it quickly filled up now that we were doing big stuff. Yes, and we had no idea the concept <laughs> of the value behind specific days of the wedding industry, mm-hmm. specific dates. And we were just... I mean, if our calendar was open we were taking business and it didn't necessarily mean if we had two or three weddings we were booked there were some days that we had four five six events yeah and we were taking it and it was great and sometimes it might just be a neon sign rental at that point Mm -hmm. you know so and the van worked great for that yep we even outfitted a little section of it to have all the slots of the neon sign boxes to keep them nice and organized and safe in transport but yeah yeah we're we're making it work yeah and uh let's see so 2019 we got the van i feel like we mentioned the hoopa that we made which was wild to go from laser cutting things at the science center and bringing them back to a retail setting and handing them off to then creating such a large item for -hmm. somebody that they were going to stand under during their ceremony during their ceremony also at arguably the most important moment of the entire yes, wedding day at, at the four seasons in scottsdale yeah which at the time we just you know okay we're going to the four seasons we knew it was nice but f- to be one of our like first major large builds mm-hmm. was wild to think back to absolutely we built which to to this day is still iconic the white claw wall mm-hmm that for, gets shared on a lot of wedding blogs. For a bar backdrop. Which now, because again, this was 2019. I mean, White Claw was like... It was the shit. Yeah. It was the shit. It was new on the map. There were very few other like hard seltzers or seltzers even in the... Right. I think it was like them and maybe Truly were like the two, Yeah. you know... Yeah, they were going Competitors. Neck neck, right. But yeah, so... But at the time, then that's what every... Like, it was the new thing to drink. It was sold out at stores. Like, yeah, it was... Yeah. And what's wild, too, is that wall actually, I mean, it was, you know, Alex Reimer came to us and she actually needed a laser cut done in our store. She came to us to pick up the laser cut and she said, well, I mean, you guys can make things, right? I'm like, yeah. She goes, well, I have a wedding for you. They want a white claw wall, you know, a big eight foot circle. Can you make it? And and I remember like, well, it has laser cuts on it, right? She's like, yeah, we're going to want like laser cuts. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, like a cute saying or something. I mean, in my mind, I'm like, well, if I can do laser cuts, I can, I can build a wall. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah. So, wild again. Thanks, Alex, for trusting <laughs> us. Um, so we we built the white claw wall, um, and I think it was just a lot of other stuff, a lot of other seating charts, um, a lot of collaboration with Emma from Etchings by Emma, because at the time we did not have anything to customize like verbiage other than engraving on the laser, right? So when people would come to us and they would want like calligraphy on things, right? we wanted to be, you know, a source for them to be able to get that, but we didn't necessarily have anything internal to service them with. So I feel like that's really when we started our collaboration efforts with other vendors. I I keep feeling bad because I keep looking at the clock and then I'm like, you know what? 
Joe Rogan does three hours. <laughs> Brad and Taylor can do three hours. And, and how he, much of it does he actually publish? All of it? Yeah. Is it unedited? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm sure there's some editing. Sorry, I don't listen to Joe Rogan on a regular basis. I just let Brad fill me in on the topics. No, I'm just saying. I mean, we're not Joe Rogan, <laughs> but Joe Rogan does three hours. We can do an hour. Yeah. Ish. So if you guys want to listen, you listen. If you can't go this long on the treadmill, listen to us tomorrow. <laughs> on the treadmill. <laughs> yeah, just press pause. Uh, yeah. If you've already, or if you're driving and you've already uh, finished your commute, then yeah, I guess press pause and circle back yeah. the next we day. We promise this stuff's pretty interesting, but you well, know, we, we might be yeah. a little biased. Yeah, we might be. Um, okay, tw- moving into 2020. So 2020, um, we moved into our new space. That had the meeting area, like I mentioned, um, kind of more of an office type front and some sort of warehouse or shop in the back, which was great because then we were no longer splitting our time between two different mm-hmm. areas. And um, it was just nice to have everything housed under one roof. It was like the Mecca. We had found 1,300 square feet. Yeah. Yeah. We were so excited. Which is t- right now. I mean, it's nothing. It's nothing. But c- think about what we had at the time. Yeah. Like it was, it felt like so much space. Yeah. Like we were never going to fill it. And I think a lot of people can relate to this if they've ever occupied a space, even if it's a garage. But you look at it in the beginning, you're like, holy crap, I have so much room. Mm-hmm. And then soon you realize like, oh my goodness. <laughs> you quickly outgrow it. <laughs> yeah. So amazing, right? But so, 2020. Well, yeah. So we signed our lease mm-hmm. in February of 2020. Amazing. Not timing. having, yes, incredible. Not having any idea what even would happen, what, 30 days later? Yeah, we had signed the lease in February, and I think maybe even, you know, two weeks later, you were like, oh, people are like sick. People aren't traveling. What? Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah, just the talk of, I think, you know, COVID yeah. or coronavirus in general um was just a yeah but scary when you sign this lease and you're like we got it and then people start sending you emails for refunds or postponements right and you're like oh my goodness what did we do not that we were yeah we just committed to this brand new space but now that the pandemic has hit We are losing so much business and events have basically gone to zero. Mm -hmm. And I mean, now we're on the other side of it. But in the moment, I mean, we had no idea how long it was going to last. You know, people were pushing their events. Maybe it was just a couple months Mm -hmm. because unfortunately this hit. And in March, I mean, that's his prime. That's prime wedding season here in Arizona. Arizona. March, April. So, I mean, it was heartbreaking for couples that, I mean, their events were getting canceled the week of their wedding, a month before their wedding. You know, I mean, that springtime, yeah, is primo. So, um, and just from a business aspect, we had no idea. We were just kind of rolling with the punches, I think, like everybody was. We had no idea how long this was going to last or what was going to come of it or people were pushing dates. And clients didn't know either. I mean, like I said, they're you know, pushing out, oh, this, you know, all of this will be over in, I don't know, Couple three months, months yeah. six months, you know, okay, we'll move from spring to fall and we'll be fine. And yeah, it didn't happen that way, but no. <laughs> that's probably a whole other episode. Yeah. So we'll, you <laughs> if know, we talked about our 
uh, journey through the pandemic, but I feel like, especially if you're in the industry, um, everybody can relate and understand what everybody went through, how it affected the businesses, how it affected events and the industry that we're in. Um, and maybe businesses handled it in different ways. Um, I think now people would, some businesses or business owners might say they may have handled it differently than they did. But at the time, again, this was all new territory. People were navigating this for the first time. I mean, I don't think anybody had really been through a global pandemic at that point and trying to figure out what that meant for their clients and business and a lot of new conversations. A lot of new conversations. And I think, you know, most of the time you just, you want to be a good person and you want, you know, you feel, you feel for them and you feel for your couples and you want to do everything in your power to, to try and make things right and, you know, ease any stress or, you know, do, I guess, your part of, I don't know, helping in any way that you can. So, yeah. So we, went through kind of that spring season of juggling the emails. Um, yeah, just trying not to spend money. We had no idea how much we were going to have to give back if people were going to request refunds or just reallocate funds because some people were canceling their weddings altogether. And I mean, we were still in the early stages to the point that I'll be honest, like our contracts and, you know, from a business aspect, like things probably weren't buttoned up 100% on our end. But again, we were just on this fast track of building our business, trying to create a name for ourselves in the industry um, and just creating a good experience for those clients and planners and having a buttoned up contract that says, hey, if a global pandemic hits, any money you've given us mm -hmm. is non-refundable wasn't <laughs> yeah. we weren't yeah that wasn't in the cards for us yet at that point so so I, we, I think we we're for a little bit there we were just twiddling our thumbs I yeah mean, we were trying to be as responsible as possible but um at the same point we we had nothing to do right we also didn't pivot pivot was a strong word it, during that time people were pivoting in an effort to try to do anything that they could to create revenue fortunately mm -hmm. we were still small enough and had just come off of a decent season to where we were okay monetarily that we chose to just ride it out we didn't want to put a certain stressor on our business because we didn't have a huge team to have to pay right there's a lot of things. I'm not saying pivoting is bad. I'm just saying this is what we did. We chose to do. Taylor and I chose not to pivot. We chose to stay the course. We chose to figure out how do we kind of dig in and refine what at the time borrowed from a bride was mm -hmm. instead of throwing. Maybe we just seize this opportunity as, okay, we now have a little bit of downtime. We're mm -hmm. not on this hamster wheel. So maybe let's, let's pause make improvements. and let's make some improvements to the business because, yeah. So one major thing. We have thing, this downtime now. So I feel like one major thing during that time was we we rebranded. Yes. We took the time. We allocated a little bit of money mm -hmm. to a rebranding shoot at the Ondas, where we were really going to show the wedding industry who we were, as opposed to kind of just what we were doing. Mm -hmm. Who we wanted to be. Yeah. And so we and what we were capable of. And what we were capable of. Yeah. And we knew that that was not going to come lightly. We knew that that wasn't going to be just as easy as a name change. So we, you know, reached out to some 
very, very good vendor friends who helped us put on a styled shoot mm-hmm. for or a rebranding shoot. Um, and I think that's when we came up with the name The Details Duo. Yeah. Well, and I will say, I think part of it too was escort displays were kind of coming onto the map. And maybe we had done like one or two in fall of the previous year. But we kind of saw this opportunity of that being this rising trend, but it wasn't something that people were really doing in the Arizona wedding market or, you know, maybe they just didn't have the resources to make it happen. So we wanted to kind of fill that void and and focus on that niche in the market. So that was part of it, too, with rebranding to Details Duo is we could now... Um, put a bit of focus on these larger builds, but primarily a lot of them being these unique, cool escort displays. Yeah. We had found, I think, our specialty. Right. Like, and maybe what set us apart. Because we had the resources to create these things and there were, and that was special. Mm-hmm. That was different. And, uh, and people weren't able to get that elsewhere. Correct. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't, you couldn't order, order an escort display off of Etsy. Right. Um, we also launched our one of our sister companies' promise pages mm-hmm. during that time, which had been an idea for a little bit. Yeah. Um, which, if you guys don't know, Promise Pages is a company that we own that creates custom vow books. We, um, they're linen bound vow books. This isn't a plug. It's just explanation. <laughs> Tell you a little bit about it. Um, we. Really, what what it was was we had sold vow books at our store. Yes. They were not custom. And Correct. people loved them. And we thought, well, we do custom things. Why not create custom vow books? Mm-hmm. What do we need to do to create those? Yeah. So, again, we went down. And offer more colors yep. and different foil colors because at the time, the ones that we were selling in store, we were just buying from, I don't know, a distributor, I guess? It was a wedding distributor. Wedding distributor. Um. And they were only available in ivory or gray, and you could only get it with a gold foil. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to switch it up, and um, the Mrs. Box was also kind of in its peak, too. I mean, they're still super popular, but if you're not familiar with them, you can look them up. But they're essentially velvet ring boxes that mm-hmm. come in an assortment of colors. And I thought, well, gosh, if the Mrs. Box can curate these collections of multicolored ring boxes that function as keepsakes for the wedding day and they match the wedding color palette, why can't we do that with Val books and, you know, make them more custom, more unique and have the ability to personalize them too for the couple. So whether that's putting, adding their names or the wedding date on them, but just making them that much more special. We liked the idea that Promise Pages was like an e-commerce business. Mm -hmm. It was something that we could create a website for and people could submit orders online whereas with the current state of our business there was a lot of back and forth communications as expected because everything is so so custom Mm -hmm. but um and the vow books are too but you could integrate technology in the website to the point where we made it super easy for people to go online and see an instant rendering yeah and had we not had the time during the pandemic I don't think we would have promise no, pages. No, I mean, to be honest, we probably started promise pages, like started the train moving in 2019. Right. Because we also had to 
order the books in the custom colors that we were ch- that we had chosen yeah, we to had start with. Yeah, so there was some time there for sure. And then I'm I'm sure there was some sort of delay with production too once mm-hmm. 2020 hit. I mean, that's kind of when all the supply chain issues very early stages, but you know, it probably only got worse from there, but Yeah. So in summary, while 2020 was crazy, there wasn't a ton that happened for us. We kind of stayed the course. Mm-hmm. We improved our processes. And I really feel like we just dug in and we tried to just get ready for what we hoped would be busier times mm-hmm. ahead. Yeah. And they definitely were. So Taylor has 2021 here and she has some notes written down. And all I see is the <laughs> word chaos. Yeah, because to be honest, I didn't even know what because so much happened in 2021, I didn't even know. Yeah. We can think through it, but that was just the best way that I could summarize it because honestly, that's truly how I felt about the entire year. When I think about when I think back on 2021 and our years in business, that word is all that comes to mind. It was just chaos. It was. <laughs> it was absolutely fantastic for our business monetarily. Yeah. However, I feel like for our well-being and our health, it was the complete opposite. 100%. We were thriving in business, but I feel like for me anyways, I was like deteriorating. Yeah. Because without so many words, we were insanely busy. Yes. Well, and I think a lot of wedding vendors can relate. I mean... A lot of people postponed their weddings in 2020, you know, but then 2021 came around and and this was just how we operated in business. And I feel like a lot of vendors did the same. But to be honest, we didn't we didn't really charge any sort of rescheduling fees. Um, there were certainly times where we remade products and things with new wedding dates and didn't charge the client again we were trying to be as accommodating as possible and just think of it from a human aspect not coming at it from a business sense and now on the other side of it looking at it from a business sense we're like gosh we should have charged something for our time and the materials and whatnot but i mean we were just you're new yeah we were new and we were just you know like i said before we just felt for these clients so anyway so when they when they postponed, a lot were already paid in full, mm-hmm. or maybe they only had a small retainer left, and so they just stayed on our books, and sometimes we did additional work for them, complimentary, sometimes we didn't. It was just, hey, we still have this couple on our books, but again, thinking at it from a business sense, like that if, they're, if a client's already paid in full, you're not getting anything else that's going to support no there's no new revenue there's no new revenue so then we had to be strategic and continue to take on business meaning new business even though our books now have already been filled with these 2020 clients just so i can i guess remind myself when was our speakeasy build at royal palms 2020 or 2021 that might have been 2020 if you want to backtrack a little bit Hmm. Well, I even thought as I was talking, because, man, we had some cool builds fall of 2020. Yeah. Like, that's when we did Jay-Z and Adam. That's when we did Brianna and Austin's. The, but and that, US, again, was, yeah. like, right when we, again, were breaking into this this niche of, yeah. like, uber custom, super unique escort displays. 
it's tricky to say because I feel like we're over here like saying that, you know, I mean, a lot of weddings did push, but I do feel like Arizona as a market was a bit different than maybe some other states because there were certainly states and wedding vendors that had absolutely zero business in 2020. Like all events were canceled. Mm -hmm. If you were postponing, you were at minimum, you know, a year out. Um, and there were different mandates in different cities and all things. I, Arizona continued events to some capacity. There were certainly like a little bit of limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the people. I don't know. I mean, this was Valley. three years ago, so it's hard to like reflect back. But there, there were times where weddings had to be smaller, or maybe just the clients, the couples in general, were choosing to just lower their guest count. Maybe it was, maybe it was a mandate. Maybe it was just lowering the risk of these gatherings and not having so many people all in the same place at once um, to minimize the exposure. But we still continue to do really cool things that season. And that I think is what started to make details do what it, what it is, yeah, you had, know, or we what had, we're known for. We had just rebranded. We really honed into what we wanted to become. Yeah. We educated the market and more importantly, the planners on what we could do Mm. we started to lean into that and fortunately we were given some really cool opportunities still within fall of 2020 absolutely to to kind of you know i guess continue to water those seeds Mm -hmm. and um yeah it was wonderful yeah those are probably like still some of my favorite builds to date and i think we may even do another episode yeah on like reflecting just of all the builds that we've done and I don't know, maybe if we have the camera back up and running and we do put this up on YouTube at some point, it would be cool to add in pictures as we're talking about each of these builds. But For sure. Um, yeah, so not to backtrack or skim over fall of 2020, but I do think, to answer your original question, I do think we did the speakeasy build Yeah. in 2020. In 2020. Mm-hmm. Right. Shout out Kayla. Thanks <laughs> for trusting us to put a fully functional speakeasy in the middle of pal- uh, Royal Palms. Yeah, but you might not want to admit that because, you know. Oh. Well, we did I don't it. know if it was 100% uh, approved. <sighs> Wasn't up to fire code, that's for sure. Right. But. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said with 2021. A <clears throat> lot of growth. Yeah. A lot of growing pains. Um, this was also, for us, I feel like the first time that we had really had a staff of employees yes we had help prior to that but 2020 just on event days just on event days yeah. but 2021 was really the first when we year. made our first hire we made our first hire yes um and we had full-time employees correct and we had full-time employees to pay for yes that too <laughs> so you know yeah it was chaos yeah for sure so it was a combination i'd say of our <laughs> business growing in the wedding industry um, coupled with trying to navigate the pandemic and these couples that had postponed and um, just managing and juggling a bunch of clients at once, Mm -hmm. trying to give everybody good service, you know, still a great experience, be as flexible as possible um, while still making this name for ourselves in the industry and just hustling, hustling pretty much yeah. you know yeah still still growing yeah not knowing what to charge for things because they were 
they're they were not out there right like that's for me probably the biggest issue that i came across in 2021 Mm -hmm. outside of just like how much i worked right i think we gave some really good deals (laughs) oh i'm sure we did um you know we you know we yeah we we definitely learned from that but we definitely didn't know how to price our our work yeah i remember also we struggled with time management in that we did not know how long things would take Mm -hmm. to make because we had never made them before that coupled with being busy Mm -hmm. and not having free time so not having a sunday free to work on the following week's builds or a monday or a tuesday because those days were already filled up with client appointments or weddings even during the week led to some long days, mm-hmm. long nights, 24-hour shifts sometimes with sleeping sure. on the floor Yeah, um, just to get it done. But Taylor and I are super proud to say that I don't think we, we missed a beat, I mean, it, with what we had promised. No. I mean, we, we did we what delivered. we had to do to make it happen, you know? And I think in that fall of 2021, which has been to date our busiest well, when I say busiest, I, I mean the number of weddings that we've done and events. In one season in one and by season, season, meaning like a three-month stretch. Three months. We did we did over 70. I think I always refer to like the number 76, but it's between 70 and 76 weddings mm-hmm. in three months. Yeah. With really just a couple people. Although there were a few weekday weddings because of these postponements and availability within the venues um primarily a lot of them were still on weekends so you got to think like we're you know we're doing a a large majority of these you know 70 something split between i don't know let's just say 12 weekends yeah that's an average of six weddings a weekend yeah with these fully custom ground up builds Mm -hmm. not uh, not all of them but a good portion of them them for sure so and when you work events too and i know (laughs) i can attest to this like you we might have a wedding friday saturday and sunday and then you're rolling into the next week and it's like there's no days off to just rest and recoup from the previous weekend like you need to utilize those weekdays to keep production going so that you're ready for the next weekend ahead. Yeah, there were no days off. And by yeah. no days off, like I'm I don't mean like oh, I still pulled my laptop open and did some design work. Like no. Every uh-huh. single Or I responded to a couple emails like yeah, every single day for 3 <laughs> yeah. or 3 and a half months, I lived at the shop. Pretty much, yeah. Un- unfortunately. Yeah. But we learned a lot. We did. And I think that that really shaped us for the following year Mm -hmm. some good some bad sorry wedding planners because i think it hardened us and we didn't (laughs) say yes as much which in turn i think makes it harder for you guys although actually i know it makes it harder for you guys but i feel like that's really the year that we learned boundaries Mm -hmm. and we learned that this business if we wanted to continue has to be so about so much more than just saying yes to everything right and and just running ourselves ragged or else like we're gonna suffer yeah physically mentally 
our relationship, you know, just it's not going to be healthy. And yeah, the business shouldn't take over our lives in that aspect. Um, but we made it out. We're alive. Yeah, we're here. We're here <laughs> recording a podcast. Yeah, in, in 2023. <laughs> man. Um, but the following year was busy, mm-hmm. not as busy, but we went into it with, yeah, boundaries. Yeah. I feel like we went into it with more of a plan than we had the year prior. Yeah. And we felt good. Mm-hmm. We felt good. We felt good about the builds that we were creating. We felt good about the relationships that we had established established and continued. And man, we were we were killing it. Like I felt like we were we would like be on site and we were like the shit because we were showing up with something that like nobody had ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Not trying to be cocky, just like more so like it felt good. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt good to like show up to these venues that maybe previously we had hung a neon sign at. Yeah. And now we are showing up with a full eight by eight custom wall that at that time people like people were still like relatively new to the idea of what an escort display was. You think even in 2022? I think so. Oh, maybe, maybe not, but yeah. You know, maybe I'm mixing in a little bit of 2021. Yeah. But, you know, I think, I feel like, in in other words, like, we were on a high. For sure. Yeah. You know, we were on a high. And I think we felt confident at that point of, like Brad mentioned, establishing boundaries, but really thinking about ourselves and, okay, if we're going to, if we're going to spend time in this business and basically make these sacrifices what do we want the business to be, you know? And like I said, I know that we kind of went into this niche of escort displays, but also throughout the years, taking whatever business came, whatever, um, you know, planners would send our way. We really didn't have any creative say. Um, a lot of the ideas were coming to us and we were just fulfilling them. And I think we saw an opportunity to really want to differentiate ourselves because we were always super proud of the work that we put out and we always pride ourselves in quality and you know these incredible builds but we wanted to make a name for ourselves but we also didn't well two parts we didn't want to do the same thing twice ever and we were firm on that and we were very firm on that and to be honest it probably made our jobs planners jobs the client made it more difficult for the client um it just made it that much more challenging because somebody couldn't just show us a picture of something and say, hey, build this. Maybe like they had in, pre- in previous years. Um, and we were saying, no, you know, that's that was specific for that wedding or special for that couple. So we really don't want to replicate that. Instead, let's come up with something new and innovative that's a reflection of, you know, you guys as a couple I don't know. We just we wanted cool stuff out there. We wanted to show people what was possible. We It's this. If we were going to if we were going to get up in the morning and subject ourselves to the work, we wanted the outcome to be so much more than just what the work was. Mm-hmm. We wanted to go through the motions and challenge ourselves so that each and every time we completed something, we could stand back and go damn that was worth it Mm -hmm. and it wasn't just about taking people's money telling them that we could do something it was so much more 
than that because up until that point, that's what we were doing. It was still very hard. Mm-hmm. And we did not, we were losing the magic. We were creating things. We were dropping things off. We were installing things. But I don't feel like it was the wow was mm-hmm. being lost. Right. For sure. And you want to feel like passionate about the work that you're putting out. And we just knew that like sky was the limit for us and our capabilities, I think. And so it's like rather than just doing, uh, yeah, I might look look grand as an eight by eight wall, but instead of it saying find your seat with a couple acrylic panels that just listed out your table assignments, that could be at anybody's wedding. And I think we really wanted to focus on you know, the client was spending the money regardless. So let's find ways to have builds that one we're proud of, but two also that clients are seeing more value in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just more of a like thoughtful purchase. I don't know. Yeah, I think we wanted more. We wanted the client to want more, the planner to want more. Mm-hmm. But because of the industry that we're in here, because of the market that we're in here, it's and please nobody take this the wrong way, but Phoenix, Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona is just not as innovative design-wise as some other markets in the United States. So unfortunately, there's a pretty low ceiling when it comes to design. And we wanted to break the mold because we knew we could. Mm -hmm. And it was for sure tough. It still is to this day. Yeah. But we knew that if we didn't, do it it wouldn't happen and we didn't just want to continue our business by creating the same things over and over again and then maybe once in a while somebody comes along and wants to do something unique and and different we knew that we a lot of times had to show clients what the possibilities were for them to be able to see the vision a lot of people are visual learners but we had to do the work to get Mm -hmm. them there And I don't think I regret that. We also took on, I think we we really limited ourselves in this, you know, in 2022 to the amount of events that we were doing. For sure. Right. We definitely were a bit burned out from the previous year and we thought, okay, we need to put a cap on our season, Um, especially if we're going to do these more intricate builds, spend more quality time, I think, with each individual couple and really dive into those details and making these builds unique and special. And um, we're just, yeah, we got to limit the number of projects that we're going to take on. Um, minimums were definitely a thing. Yeah. I don't know when we started the minimums, but I for sure remember in 2022, I feel like we were a lot more firm with our minimums mm-hmm. um, and really trying to educate people on why we had a minimum and why we had to have a minimum in order to carry out the work that we did. Right. Not just because we wanted to make a certain amount of money or we were trying to be greedy, but because of what we were trying to attempt to do for that specific event. Mm-hmm. And because of the parameters around that event, if we were going to show up on site and for our business to continue to continue to operate, excuse me, we needed to make a certain amount of revenue on that day for it to all work. Correct. And because a lot of times with these large scale events that we were now doing, 
we could only potentially do one, maybe two in a day. Whereas before we were doing five, six, seven events in one day. Um, and now with the workload, it just doesn't make sense. But monetarily, it still has to be the same. For sure. You, you know, you can't you can't open it up to, hey, we're going to make you something so unique and custom and love story driven. And we're going to show up. Right. And we're going to like leave our shop, drive to the venue. However, you know, you can, you know, you could spend 500 bucks. Like there's definitely clients who have booked us that have spent $500 on a really unique, cool and custom item. But unfortunately we couldn't just sell one item and leave the shop that day for it to be worth it. Mm -hmm. And that was tough. I think it still is tough to this day because we're still a small business. Yeah. There's, and people will understand this if they if they've grown a business to, you know, two, three, four, five employees, you get to this point where you're juggling work for the business, revenue for the business mm-hmm. that, you know, does it make sense for the business or are you just taking it in to pay for the employees? And, you know, Taylor and I have always struggled with that because uh, especially with what we do, um, you know, the work that we take in, it really can't easily be handed off to people. So the people who we do rely on, you know, have to be vested pretty heavily in what we're doing. And it makes it challenging to grow the team to a point where we have maybe 20 people and we can get to the point where minimums aren't that much of an issue Mm -hmm. because we have the staff to lean on and we're not stretched so thin that it's not that big of a deal if we're leaving the shop to deliver one item because we have the bandwidth, right? That's always been, I think, one of our main pressure points in what we do. Mm-hmm. And the minimum for us has always helped to alleviate that in not growing the team and not having to grow the team, and not having to take on business just to pay for people. Right. So, yeah, minimums, while we'll go into them in another episode, really helped us. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when done properly, really helped the client because it went from Details Duo being at five weddings in one day to Details Duo being at your wedding. Right. And nobody else's. And, you know, things happen at weddings. And you don't have a lot of time to fix them. And I would hate to have had even a second wedding some of these days Mm -hmm. because of the things that arose. And it was really cool, while not fun, it was really cool to be able to not stress about leaving prematurely Mm -hmm. to go to somebody else's wedding to try to give them the same attention that we were the first. Right. So... A lot goes into it. It's not just, hey, we want to make X amount of dollars right. on your on your wedding right. because it's it's so much more than that. Yeah, well said. Um, anything else for 2022 and our journey that year? Um, well, we opened Details Depot, but I don't know how much you want to dive into Oh, my that. goodness. So you're telling me you guys have another retail store? Yeah, uh, full circle. Um. We did open a store called The Details Depot, which 
is wonderful, still open, um, still very new. I don't know if I want to get into it too much. No, that's fine. I just wanted, we were talking about the year. And so that was, I think, also part of why we decided to take on a limited number of projects was because we knew that um, we wanted to find, you know, go down this other path of a, an additional business venture, which was Details Depot. So Another retail store. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's wild. You know, it, mm-hmm. it. But do you want to at least tell them what Details Depot is? For sure, I'll plug it quickly. And maybe the reason why we created it. Yeah. So we had gotten to this point where we. Because now we had minimums. We had minimums. Right? We couldn't service everyone like we had done in 2021. I feel like we said yes to everybody in 2021. We helped a lot of people, and that's really what you're doing in business. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're doing it successfully, you're helping people and you're solving a problem, right? 2021 and the years prior. And the years prior. Yeah. We had then now reached, in 2022, we had reached this issue of (laughs) we were no longer solving people's problems because we were telling them no so Mm -hmm. much. I think we were probably telling, you know, eight out of 10 people no that wanted to book our services, that could afford the minimum, that, you know, needed our help. So Taylor and I always, you know, threw around this idea of, well, why don't we take the key items that people are asking for and stock them in a way that it's not going to get them to a hundred percent of what we would have given them in being a custom backdrop or a custom sign for their wedding. However, is there a way that we could do the hard part for them, allowing them and freeing up the opportunity for them to be able to have this item without having to book details duo, having to reach our minimum, or even maybe, you know, if we couldn't help them, where else are they going to go? I mean, this was still definitely prior to um, some other companies opening up in the Valley. Yeah. And there, you know, still was definitely more of a need for more companies outside of just ours, but we were still the only one or one of few. So we kind of devised this plan to, you know, open up a DIY wedding decor store, base materials of backdrops and signage that is acrylic, wood, the things that we start with, a details duo. Mm -hmm. Let's take those items, let's cut them on our machinery into shapes that we know are popular and trendy and useful. Let's stock them in the store at a wholesale price to where clients can come in, buy them off the shelf, and DIY their own wedding signage and backdrop. And that's what Details mm-hmm. Depot is in, in, in so many words. Yeah. And I think we also saw um, an opportunity to service both couples and vendors where um, we have a, you know a lot of calligraphers and hand letters here in the state and they were buying materials from wholesalers and either they would have to find somebody who could, you know, cut the acrylic sheets down or whatever the case may be. But essentially it was to help service them too with just being able to come in and buy pre-cut acrylic so that they can service their clients and um, also other, you know, vendors that were doing birthday parties or, you know, they're maybe they're balloon artists and and they do backdrops from time to time with their installations or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's, 
I don't know. Even even I mean, we've been so fortunate to see past couples too come in, and you know now they're having a baby shower, and so but they don't necessarily need a fully custom experience or multiple build. Like they're just looking for one, you know, backdrop. And it's doing great. Yeah. I feel like it's a great resource for people. So for sure, if you guys are throwing a party, or you're a wedding vendor that needs backdrop or yeah. some acrylic signage. And you don't just have to be wedding vendor. It could be True. anybody. Any events. That's right. Events driven. Corporate, bridal shower, baby shower, uh, birthday parties. Restaurants. Quinceañeras. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Say that again. Are you going to make fun of my accent? No, it was good. Quinceañeras. Wow, that's pretty good. Okay. That's A lot my better fo- than I. That's my four years of Spanish coming out. Arriba. <laughs> Um, 2023. 2023. I mean, that's where we're at now. So obviously we can only speak to really half the year. Yeah. Um, cause we're recording this in July. So we've only been through half of 2023. So I don't know how much we really have to share up until this point or what you want to share. Interesting um, fact. I think we went from 76 weddings fall of 21 down to, I think on average, maybe 40 events or weddings in the seasons of 2022 so we're drastically almost cutting our events yeah like 30 to 40 in spring and then another 30 to 40 in fall correct so taylor and i were really trying to put our focus on time management and try to figure out how can we optimize our business so that you know well everybody wants to do that charge more do less right but make it make sense and still add value for the client who's paying for you Mm mm-hmm so I feel like we're doing and a great job. just make it easy on ourselves, too. Yeah, make it a little easier. Try to live last, life. The, yeah, the last few years had been yeah. challenging. So, so um, and this is interesting for some people, maybe some not. We only did eight weddings. Mm-hmm. So that's, and, and we'll, we'll talk about the corporate events that we did, so that's not including those. However, going from 76, just a couple years prior, down to eight is drastically different for sure and we still don't know if that's a good thing yeah i think we were trying to figure it out yeah i think the great thing about owning your own business is that you can move fast you don't have to really wait for anybody like if you've ever worked at a corporate job you can and you can't (laughs) because i will say because of the industry that we're in any moves that we make affect the following yeah. season or seasons ahead that's true like Sorry. when we implemented a minimum that was you know we had to make those decisions maybe a year prior to because these new bookings right would you know where the minimum would take effect those those people aren't getting married until the following year or whatnot so um that's the only like I don't know, kind of challenge or difference, I think, with our business sometimes is I think we do make a lot of moves. And I feel like a lot of that has attributed to our success is we don't really dwell on things for too long. We just we kind of like yeah. shift and, and pivot and make different things happen and, you know, make changes. And if it doesn't work, then we'll do something else. But no, I, I don't think so. It's I think it's a good thing for us in business, but it's because of the industry that we're in that presents a challenge because of yes. how fast we move. Really, what we're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And the moves that we make can't. It's not a next day change always. Right. Like it's not something that we could implement today and it be effective tomorrow. Right. 
we have to be thinking about years ahead and where we want to be business-wise. Right. But if we look at this year and where we're at compared to five years ago, mm-hmm. it's worlds of a difference. Right. It's almost like it's a different business, but it has grown from what we started with. Mm-hmm. Still in the wedding industry, this year was very unique for us because we really started to feel the corporate events come back, whereas back in 2020 when our capabilities were the same corporate events were very much shut down Mm -hmm. we didn't have the opportunity to work with corporate which for us in arizona and if vendors are listening they'll know that it's a nice addition to the wedding business Mm -hmm. so we finally got a taste of what that is and for sure in addition to our only eight weddings that we had we we're fortunate enough to work on a um, a project at the Waste Management Open with mm-hmm. Vuv Clico, right? Yeah. Um, almost as good as my quinceanera. Almost as good as quinceanera, <laughs> um, which was fantastic and wonderful. Made a little mini putt putt course for them and a mm-hmm. really beautiful backdrop wall, and along with you know some some other things. But yeah, that was great to be able to kind of unleash. Um, what we could do outside of weddings for sure finally um and then we also had the super bowl here yeah which was cool yep and few companies asked us to do some things for them mm-hmm. so. so we added those into the mix this year mm-hmm. and uh i guess you can say that brought us up to about 13 events which uh was yeah a significant decrease from the year prior mm-hmm. and um here we are we're in summer 2023 but yeah we got into it we did it i'm proud of us mm-hmm. and now it's going to live we forever we started yeah it can only get better thank you guys for listening yes. we really appreciate it um this is podcast number one of the very short series that is digging into the details with the details duo mm-hmm. brad and taylor brad and taylor that's right All right, signing off for our first episode. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.